You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey fam, I'm Jada Pinkett Smith, and this is the Red Table Talk podcast. All your favorite episodes from the Facebook Watch Show in audio. Produced by Westbrook Audio and iHeartRadio. Please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. The Eight Rules of Love Jay Shetty Says You Must Know. Say it again, Jay! His highly anticipated findings are revealed now. Absolutely. On this exclusive Red Table Talk. I'm very excited about this. I'm so That's glad you're here. I'm so good to see you. Yeah. It's been too long. Jay. Yeah. This feels like home now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You've blessed the table so many times. Oh, I'm so grateful. You you blessed me with the opportunity. All right. So these are the facts. We learn math, how to read. We even learn about the birds and the bees. But no one teaches us how to love. But now, our very, very dear friend and wisdom spreader, Jay Shetty, hopes to change all of that. Jay Shetty, whose mission of making wisdom go viral has taken the world by storm. This former monk is now a number one best-selling author, hosts the number one health podcast, and has a social media following of more than 50 million. Jay Shetty, welcome. Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty, that's right, former monk turned storyteller. His powerful message uses modern science and ancient wisdom. Jay has become a trusted advisor to countless people, including many celebrities like Alicia Keys, Jennifer Lopez, and John Legend. Now he's revealing his highly anticipated eight rules of love in his brand new book, sure to become a go-to guide. I'm loving this book. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you about this book. You had me at hello from the first paragraph, the difference between like and love. I started to realize that there were so many different ways of breaking down love. Right. And I was having so many conversations with so many different people where they felt incomplete because they didn't have love. The lack of love seemed to be the greatest pain point Mm. in everyone I was talking to. Yeah. 
I don't feel love, I don't have love, I don't know how to love. You could find people in all stages of life, no matter whether they were winning or losing or whatever, love was the core thing that was causing them pain. Yeah. So I was like, how can we not write about the yeah. thing that we spend our whole life searching, searching for? for? So I wanna start with the ashrams. You have four of them. Can you break that down for yeah, us? Yeah, definitely. So the four ashrams, are the four stages of love. So you said ashrams, and I always thought an ashram was the place that you go to kind of just like meditate and, and know God. So you don't have to limit the definition of an ashram to a physical space. Mm. It can be an emotional space. It yes. can be a spiritual space yep. that can be created without four walls. I love yeah. it. Almost like going to church. Correct. You don't have to be in the church building. Exactly. Right. Okay. So the four ashrams are Preparing for love, right. practicing love, protecting love, mm. and perfecting love. Break it down. And Jay. these are the four stages we all go through. We start life single. You don't start life as a couple right. with someone else. You start out single, and that's your chance to prepare for love. But most of us speed that part up. Right. We don't want to prepare. We just want to get into a relationship. Right. Then when we get into a relationship, which is the second stage, we don't think that we need to learn anything, we expect the other person to already know how to love us. Oh, right. And we expect we should already know, <laughs> know how to how love, love them. them. And, and we, don't, we don't practice, we just think we already made it. Yes. And then the third step is protecting love. This is such an interesting one. It took me the longest to uncover this one. And I realized that that third stage was learning to protect yourself from the wounds that come from trying to love and failing. Yeah. Mm. And so by that stage, we all start believing love doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Love's not for me. Right. I'm not worthy of love. Love failed me. Right. But love is real. We just experienced something that wasn't love. Exactly. Right. And the final is perfecting, which is probably my favorite thing to talk about. It's this idea that we've put romantic love on a pedestal. Oh. Absolutely. And I think- Say it again, Jay! <laughs> I, I really believe <laughs> Big problem. that we have put romantic love on a pedestal. We've created a hierarchy right. that says loving a romantic partner is the epitome of, of love. love. Yeah. And that I know so many people who have a beautiful relationship with their children, but they feel incomplete because they don't have that with a partner. Right. Yeah. And so I want to encourage people to realize that Let's look at love more broadly, yeah. more expansively, right. and more truthfully. So, Jay, let's break down your concepts of, you know, these four ashrams. The first one was preparing for love. So mm -hmm. give us a couple of principles around how we can prepare for love. So we've made loneliness or being alone the enemy. Yeah. So if you have a birthday party and not many people come over, you're unpopular. If you turn up to a wedding and you don't have a plus one, it's like, oh, poor you, are you right. okay? Like there must be something wrong with you. And so we've made people feel that being alone is of lower value right. than when you're with someone. Right. And Paul Tillich talks about how there's two words in the English dictionary that describe being alone, and we only use the word loneliness, the other one is solitude. Yes. And he says loneliness is the feeling of pain when you're alone. Right. And solitude is the strength of being alone. It's yes. the superpower of being alone. And so when we're preparing for love, we constantly believe that we will only be special, worthy, attractive, when someone sees it in us. Mm. Yes. And actually the rule is saying, 
You've got to first see it in yourself. In yourself exactly. You've got to first build it in yourself. And being alone gives you the time, the space to actually do that. When you start being with someone romantically, you're now outsourcing the ability to love yourself. Right. It's funny because I was just talking to my girlfriend. She's going through a breakup and um, she hasn't really spent time alone. And I told her, taking this time for you, I think is going to build your understanding of how mm -hmm. to protect that which you find worthy about mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. and understanding what that is. I said, if you are constantly afraid of being by yourself, mm -hmm. that kind of desperation, that secret language unconsciously that sits in your head that says, I'm not valuable unless I have a partner. Yeah. I said, well, then that's the one that, that weakens your boundary making. Yes. That's the one yes. that doesn't make you capable of self-love. And so yeah. then you're just gonna continue this cycle. Absolutely. But Jay, it's so difficult for people to understand. I think that idea of self-love has been so that kind overused. of overused, yeah. Yeah, new yeah. agey term people that don't people really don't really means. understand what yeah. that is. So you're basically saying that solitude gives a person an opportunity to know themselves even once they get into a relationship. Right. Absolutely. And I'm, like, I'm just turned 69. I still struggle a little bit with doing activities by myself. Yes, like, yes. not too long ago, Rodney and I went on vacation. He had to leave before I did. And it was just one extra day that I insisted on staying, but that meant that I had to be there yes. by myself. I had to eat my meals alone, and I was perfectly fine. I did it, and I was perfectly fine. That's progress. <laughs> that's progress, yes. that's progress but right? But look how old I am just getting no, to that point. But that's, no, that's fine. But Let me tell you something, Jay. That's a gem right there. That one is so important mm -hmm. when you can sit in your solitude and deal with you. Mm -hmm. Look at yourself, heal yourself, embrace yourself, and have to learn how to comfort yourself. Mm -hmm. You know how to learn how to be your best friend, mm -hmm. how to learn how to be your confidant, versus thinking uh -huh. that your partner is supposed to be your therapist, yeah. your lover, your best friend, your, your daddy, partner. your business <laughs> partner, <laughs> your mama, <laughs> yeah, business daddy too. <laughs> and I think that that preparation for love is so important in order to step into a relationship with more reasonable ideas and expectations of what that relationship is supposed yes. to be. Yes. Yeah. So what are some of the principles within the second ashram? Mm -hmm. We're talking about practicing love. Yes. This one's probably the most complex because I feel like we usually rush the first one. Yeah. So the ashrams are almost like levels in a game. If you try and skip level one and you even cheat your way to level two, life will keep putting you back <laughs> to level one. So that's, that's really why no matter how old we get or how many relationships we've had mm -hmm. or how many times we've been married or divorced or broken up, life is still asking us to learn those game, yeah. game points before we move forward. In, in the second one, you're now moving from dealing with one mind to dealing with two minds. Some of my favorite principles from this rule, one of them is people deeply understanding the roles they played in their last relationship. Uh. And we all play one of three roles in a relationship. Ooh, we've man. either been fixers, we've been dependents, 
or we've been supporters. What have you been our three? I know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'll find that most of us have repeated a role yeah. again and again and again. So the fixer is I'm gonna solve this person. Yeah. I'm looking for a project. I'm looking for someone to sort right. and I get self-value and self-worth out of making something out of you. Codependent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the dependent is someone who actually goes, I, I want a parent, I want a home, yeah. I just want shelter. You make yeah. me feel safe, you make me feel taken care of. I'm gonna give you the key to my happiness in life. Right. That's the dependent. And the supporter is the healthiest out of the three where it's like, well, we're gonna support each other, but we remember we're still our own people. people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what most people do is when they get with someone, they are trying to force their version of home with someone else, rather than saying, I wanna build a home together with bricks I pick from mine and bricks you pick from yours. Right. Talk to us a little bit about karma. I think a lot of people think that karma means every action has a reaction. Yeah. What goes around comes around. There's partly truth in that. But that's a very simplistic surface level view of karma. Karma is a cycle mm. that forms a habit that repeats itself. Wow. So it's a cycle of, I have an idea that if I am dependent on someone, they will make me happy. Yeah. Now I find someone who I can be dependent on and I let them do everything in my life and I get them to take care of everything. Guess what happens? You still feel unfulfilled mm -hmm. and then you're being asked by karma, did I walk into that with the right motive? Mm -hmm. So karma is getting us to check ourselves. It's asking you to say, am I happy with why I did that in the first place? Yeah, wow. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. We actually have a question for you, Jay, from Sydney, Australia, Luma, who has a question about this very thing. Wow. 
Hi Jada, Willow, Gammy, and Jay. I posted a three months of going through heartbreak video documenting the experience of going through the worst breakup of my life. I keep wishing that he'll text me or call me and tell me that he misses me. I don't know if anyone will ever love me. I don't know if it's my fault. Every single part of me wants to call him right now. I just felt like, what's wrong with me? Like, why? how could this person just leave? One thing I do still struggle with is the fear of history repeating itself and never really fully trusting that you know, someone might just stay and not leave me like that. And I'm not gonna go through this kind of heartbreak again. So I wanted to ask you guys for some advice on this. Ooh. Wow. Hi. Hi. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us. One of the things that stuck out for me when she said she never wants to go through that kind of heartbreak again. again. I can just say I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, feel you. let's talk about how realistic that is. Yes. Yeah. A study showed that the activity in the brain that gets triggered when you go through a breakup is the same as detoxing from cocaine. Ooh. So you can actually have a craving for that person that feels like that same sort of craving. Mm -hmm. And the other active areas in the brain are the same as physical pain. Mm -hmm. So when you feel like your heart breaks, that idea is very scientifically shown. I think the challenge is when you break up with someone, all of our language is about getting over them. Mm -hmm. as opposed to understanding why we got there. Mm -hmm. right. And so when you start saying, I want to get over them, all the energy goes on to that person. Right. And now it becomes about them. But if you focus on how you got there, you may find that you fell in love too fast. Mm -hmm. You may find that you didn't follow some of these stages that we're talking about of, did I know who I was? Did I really know who they were? Right. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, wait a minute. Maybe I don't want a fast love. Maybe I want a slow, thoughtful, mindful love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's how you avoid the same thing happening again. So when you look at karma, it requires you to go backwards yeah. and go, where did I kid myself that we had found love. Right. I think we jump from like to love yeah. and we miss this level called learning. Oh, right. that's yeah. real. And, and that's where I feel like we're going wrong. So I would encourage you to go back and say, where did I rush things? Where did I really over trust? Where did I give someone my trust rather than let them earn it? Mm -hmm. And how does she learn to trust again? I want to take a second to break down trust because I think that's such an overused word. And I so agree. there are four stages to trust, trusting anyone. Right. And so you have to understand that when you meet someone, no matter how impressive they are, mm -hmm. no matter how well-spoken they are, no matter how attractive you think they are, you start at zero trust. Right. The problem is when we see someone we find attractive, studies show we find them more trustworthy. <laughs> if we find someone more intellectual and thoughtful, we find them more attractive, therefore we find them more trustworthy. Wow. So we constantly trick ourselves into trusting people who haven't yet earned our trust. So whoever you meet, no matter who in the world it is, you have to start at zero trust. Mm -hmm. Then the next step is called transactional trust. Transactional trust is when I do yeah. something for them, they do something for yes. me. Yes. If they say they're gonna show up at 3 p.m. and they show up at 3 p.m., Great, I have transactional trust with them. Mm -hmm. The reason why we don't like this is because we want love to be magical. We want love to like, <laughs> yes. we're like, we don't want stages, Jay. I just want, I just want to feel love. And that's where we make the mistake because we don't want to say, oh, okay, I, I now can trust them transactionally. So the third stage is reciprocal trust. Right. Where it's like, you know, if you love this person, you'll do something for them 
you're not doing it to get anything back and they'll do something back for you anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then the fourth stage is unconditional trust. Right. Which is so rare <laughs> and, and practically doesn't exist. And if we I'm completely usually honest. start there. And we usually yeah. start there. When we think we're in love with someone, we're like, I'm giving you my unconditional trust. And now the higher trust you give, the, the bigger you have to fall. And so if you gave someone number four, unconditional trust, then now you're falling back to zero trust. You've fallen down four steps. Right. Luma, does that help you? Yeah, I 100% went to number four, fully trusted him. And yeah. yeah, like obviously going through a breakup is really hard. I honestly think the hardest part is when you realize that them coming back is no longer the solution for your pain. Mm. Like they can't fix yes. it. Yes, oh, there wow. you go. Yes. Yeah, that is beautiful. for real. That's yeah. fantastic. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Luma, thank you so much for joining us. And take this time for yourself. Yes. yes. Don't worry about jumping into anything else right now. Yeah. We are thank wishing you. you the best. You were talking about unconditional trust. What are your real thoughts about unconditional love? Because I'm not sure there's such a thing. It's so rare yeah. that it feels like there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. But I think we get glimpses in it mm-hmm. when you look at the love a mother has for their child. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen unconditional romantic love in my life. Right. Yeah. If you look at the greatest acts of love in the world, they were not romantic. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet is not a true story. And it wasn't a huge act of love in that sense. Uh, So I think the challenge is we've romanticized love and put romantic love on the pedestal, missing out on all these beautiful forms of love that are as fulfilling, if not more, but we see them as less than. And I think that that's unhealthy because some people may end up without a partner, maybe through natural loss. Someone may end up through a partner because they went through a divorce or breakup and they may be single now. I always tell my girlfriends, let's just move in together when we're old and get a bunch of cats. (laughs) And if we do have boyfriends- Does it have to be cats, I know, or dogs. (laughs) But if we do have boyfriends, great. They can come over sometimes. We can see them, whatever. But let's like be together and not like, oh, we have to just be old and gray with our significant (laughs) other. Give us your thoughts on how saying I love you impacts relationships. So some people say I love you and it means they want to spend their life with you. Yeah. And some people say I love you and it means I want to spend a night Night with with you. you. Mm -hmm. But the problem is when someone says I love you, you don't stop to ask them, go, go, wait, wait, wait. What What do you mean? mean? (laughs) What do you mean? What does that mean? (laughs) Studies show that men say I love you on average in 88 days. 88 days, and women take 134 days on average. Men say quicker, but it doesn't last as long. And the reason I bring that up is because it's not that that person necessarily lied to you or misled you. They were just living up to their definition. So I'm not telling you to stop someone from saying I love you. I'm saying, I hope that before you say that, there have been some conversations around what does love mean to you? Even if the definition is, is I really love spending time with you. Totally, and that's a great definition. we're both aware that I love you means I really love spending time Time with with you. you. Not I want to spend time with you for the the rest of of my life. life. Yeah, Yeah. and you know what, Jay? That is really important because not only do people have a misunderstanding around the word I love you, but what does marriage mean to you? Yes. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, just because somebody's cute and they're great in bed, and y'all gonna have cute kids is not necessarily (laughs) the reason to get married. I don't think that there's enough conversation around marriage. And the costs of weddings are going up. Yes. And the amount of time being married is going down. 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 So we spend so much time planning for a wedding. 
Yeah. You get a wedding planner. You have a guest list. You put a budget aside. What do we do for our marriage? Right. We don't think about a budget for our marriage. Like we plan so much for one day right. when you've just promised to live one life with someone. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting? When kids are growing up, I don't know if you ever did this with, with Willow and Jaden and Trey, but you put them up against a wall and then you mark where they are. <laughs> oh, yes. And then at one, one time you just stop measuring. When you stop measuring, it means you forget you're growing now. Mm. And that's what we kind of do. We think our wedding day is where you stop measuring. You draw that line and you never have to yeah, draw a higher line yeah, ever again. We're done. And so the mindset I want to give people with love is that love ends because patience ends, yeah. kindness ends, compassion ends, judgment starts, yeah. criticism starts, yeah. right? Love doesn't end because it just withered away. It ended because you stopped practicing qualities yeah. that built it in the first place. Yeah. A plant in your house just doesn't die because it felt like dying. Yeah. It died because you stopped watering it. It's mm -hmm. that simple. Yeah. It really that is. That makes that a lot simple. of sense. Yeah. And so let's talk about the third ashram. Yeah. Protect and love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorite principles that I found really helped me and my wife in our own relationship is something I call fight styles. Mm. Right? Like, is your partner MMA or are they wrestling? <laughs> right? <laughs> are, they, are they kickboxing? When I read that yeah. part of the book, it was so eye-opening for yep. me. I took all my notes. <laughs> right? so, because Rodney says, I fight to win. Yes. Ooh. I fight to win. Instead of fighting to like... To solve the problem. Yes, I'm yes. going to let him break it down, but it yeah. was so revealing for me. I was like, wow. Yeah. So I found that there were three fight styles. Yeah. One is venting where we're like, let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. And I want to just vent. I want to express how I feel and we got to figure it out. Right. But it's very much trying to force a solution. Mm -hmm. The next is hiding where someone just goes, I need to be in my cave. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see you. I just need to take some time out away right. from this. And the third is exploding where it becomes like, it's all your fault. It's blaming. Mm. It's, it's kind of critical. Yeah. And I discovered this actually through me and my wife. So I'm mm -hmm. a classic venter. I want to talk it out and figure it out right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to explode. I'm not going to blame anyone, but I want to figure it out right now. And we have to talk about it. Radhi is a hider. Mm -hmm. She oh, just wants to think yeah. about it. She yeah. doesn't want to talk about it right now. She right. needs time and space. When we first started dating and started arguing, which is normal. And that's the other issue. Right. Whenever anyone tells me we never argue, mm. I don't think that's a healthy sign of a relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's natural to have disagreements. Gottman Institute did a study that showed that the number one skill in a long lasting relationship was learning how to fight. Mm. When you're playing sports, you don't hope the other team doesn't attack. No, you think, all right, well, when they attack this way, this is how we're gonna respond. Mm -hmm. right. You wanna do that as a couple. So when I would vent and Radhi would hide, I would think she doesn't love me. Not right. realizing she was just speaking a different language. language. Yeah. So I started to realize, okay, when we argue, I may want to talk about it now and she may want to talk about it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. But we might have to schedule it to be in six hours yeah. to like, right. meet in the middle of what that means. <laughs> yeah. Rather than forcing her to fight on my battlefield exactly. or getting me to fight on hers. And so to me, learning fight styles protects love mm -hmm. because you stop doubting love and you stop doubting your partner, realizing they're just wired differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. When you were saying that you fight to win, here, here are the scenarios and how fights go. If I win, it means you lose which means we both lose. Yeah. Right. Because we're on a team. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And really what you want to do is you want to put your energy into solving the problem together, mm -hmm. right. not trying to fight with each other. And so we're making the person the enemy when the actual issue is the problem that we're dealing with. Right. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Gerald and Cheryl are from Los Angeles, Jay, and they have a question for you about Amazing. fighting styles. What's up, Red Table Talk fam? I'm Gerald. And I'm Cheryl, and we've been dating for 10 years, and we moved in together and recently got engaged. Oh. Uh, we've realized over the years that we definitely have two different ways of communicating and arguing. When we disagree, we kind of both shut down and say it's fine or it's nothing, when a lot of the time it really isn't. And you know, eventually we want to grow together and start a family, but we don't want our small problems to turn into big ones. So what's your advice? Hi. Hi. Hey. It sounded like you both have a similar fight style in that you both like to close off, but pretend nothing's really there. Am I right? Is that is that accurate? I kind of identified a lot with the, I'm a venter, but I'm a hider at the same time. And I think we both want to get to the root of a lot of the problems and come to a solution. But a lot of the time, like, don't want to hurt each other's feelings, so we end up hiding and kind of just brushing it off until like things are better. you don't want to rock the boat too much. Yeah. Right. I feel like for me, I always kind of want to be right. And I know like, if he's going to disagree with that, then I'd rather shut down and just not talk about it. The challenge becomes it's, it's a fight of two egos rather than two people on the same team. Approach every issue, approach every problem as if you are trying to solve it together as a team. And so when it, when it comes to whatever the issue may be, 
there's a few things that help us argue better. You really have to get to the root of the problem because often you're arguing about something really tiny, which isn't the real issue. You're pretending to argue about the fact that you haven't made the call to get the oven fixed. And that isn't really the issue. So much time is wasted yeah. on you left your socks out, you don't do this on the weekend, and that's not it. You're just overall not feeling like someone's in it with you. Mm -hmm. And so figure out for you personally, what is it that I'm really trying to work with, right? That's step one. Step two is we have to change our language. If our language is about being right, mm -hmm. that means the other person's wrong. Yep. That's not an inspiring place to change from. Like you're meant to be partners. We have to use us and we, not you and me, because it really builds a collaborative environment in what yours seems to be a healthy relationship. And the third step, Set a time to figure out how you're going to argue before you argue. Hmm. Oh. Set a place to argue. Most people just wait for their partner to walk through the door at night. Yeah. <laughs> Bang, that's their place and time of argue. Never works, by the way, in a million years. Set a time when you know that person can digest it. And then the final step, which really blew my mind, if you're sitting opposite each other on a table, which is like a square or a rectangle, that actually mentally puts you against each other. They said that when people were having conversations where they were walking in the same direction, they were able to find better solutions. Wow. So next time you argue, go on a walk. Walk side by side, sit side by side and have a conversation. Sit at a round table, which engages dialogue of equality. And now it's not about this way or that way. It's about us and we again. So That's I hope beautiful. those principles give you some practical steps in how to actually argue properly. Yeah, that, that, was that was huge for me. Well, I hope that was helpful to you guys. Thank you so much Thank for you. joining us. Thank, Thank you for all your help. These are things I've learned in my own relationship. We take one thing our partner does and we scale it yeah. across everything. So I have a value that came from my mom, which is if you're not early, you're late. Yeah. So to me, being on time is really important. I've married someone who is rarely on time, right? <laughs> And I'm venting about her now on the show. Here we go. And, and it's really interesting because for, for years, I literally felt like my wife didn't care or value me because she wasn't on time. Right. So not only am I judging her off of just one metric, you're not on time, that means you don't love me. But I realized I would ruin our night. I would be just so angry with her internally that she was late again. Right. And I'd stop myself from having a great night with her not realizing that the qualities I love about my wife are that she's spontaneous. Yeah. She's got this like vibrancy. Yep. And I realized that part of being spontaneous and vibrant <laughs> Is that means you don't manage time as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so I realized that actually, if I wanted my wife to be more like me, it, I would be stripping her of what the best qualities that I love about yeah. her. Yeah. And same with me. She never complains that I always have to be on time. So I think recognizing that sometimes the things you don't like about your partner are because of the things you love about them. Right. Yeah. Well, our next couple is going through a difficult breakup and has a question. Amazing. So Josh and I have been together for five years. We have three children together. We're content creators that share our life pretty openly on social media to our hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So needless to say, everyone was pretty shocked when we had broken up recently. When Josh and I argue, it's an explosion. I am extremely emotional and sometimes I have to walk away because my emotions get too high. I like to face the situation head on and try my best to come to a resolution. 
But um, I think we have come to a point where our fighting has caused irreparable damage to our relationship. So we're struggling with the breakup. We love each other very much, but I think we both know that staying together isn't the answer. So I guess our question is how do we go about consciously uncoupling? Mm, that's real. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I watched the video again and I started crying. I know, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, this is very commendable. This is my best friend. What do you mean? <laughs> that's beautiful. It's really special to see you both supporting each other through this. It's a really mature way of trying to make this better for you both in the future. We want to do that, um, especially because we have three children. We've been listening the, the whole time and all I've been thinking was, where were you guys a month ago? Right. <laughs> you know, you, you, um, you guys are amazing and um, I've learned a lot already. Thank you, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you bringing out that term, conscious uncoupling, because it puts you in a great position of strength yes. for your kids. The biggest thing is setting boundaries of what you physically and emotionally can and can't do with each other anymore. Mm -hmm. Because now you're separating yourselves and the biggest mistake we make is in separating, we either try and cut everything mm -hmm. or we keep things too blurry, yeah. right? So we either say like, this is the end of everything, we're never gonna talk to each other again, we're never <laughs> gonna call each other ever again. Right. Or the other is, we'll just see how it goes and we'll figure it out. And then that becomes really unhealthy because feelings and emotions creep back. So I would love for you both to look at the areas of your life where you still go across the physical, emotional, financial, I'm guessing as well, and spiritual, and sit down and genuinely communicate your personal boundaries. So do this separately, don't do this together. Mm -hmm. And you write down, this is where I'm at financially. This is where I'm at mentally. This is where I'm at emotionally. And then you're going to come back and share those same points with each other from those same areas and give each other that space to hear where that person's boundary is and make a commitment to respect that boundary. Because you just said it yourself, you're like, we're best friends. Exactly. And if we're best friends with someone, then we wanna respect their boundaries and have them respect ours. And remember, boundaries aren't to keep someone else out. They're to make sure you don't cross that boundary too. Mm -hmm. I promise you, if you do that with the love you have, you can consciously uncouple and, and do this in a respectful, admirable way that you'll both be proud of and your kids will be proud of. Mm -hmm. We accept your challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I love that at attitude. Yes. It is a challenge, it's not easy, but you've already done the hardest part. Thank so. you so much for that. They're wishing the two of you the best. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, I get the sense that they're not done. Yeah, I, I got that too. And that's yeah. okay too. But I've also seen people who consciously uncouple mm -hmm. and are the best of friends okay. and yeah. are, are better in that form. So it's all about just finding the form that yeah. works for you. So we have ashram four. This is perfecting this love. This is perfecting yeah. love. Yes. And the reason why I put perfecting, not perfect, is because <laughs> right. it's an ongoing process. It's ongoing. You're yes. always perfecting it. We've been trained to believe that love is something that people give you. It is something that you receive. It's something that we should want from other people. But when someone chooses to give love and to share love with everyone they meet, they experience the greatest form of love at any given time. Mm -hmm. And that's what this rule is really about, is that why could we not share love and express love with 
everyone from the person who opens up the door at the store right. to someone who's serving us at the cash desk to the person that we bumped into on the train or the bus. Like, why couldn't every interaction be an expression of love? love. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you're going to give them your whole right. life. You could express pure love to someone just through a smile, a smile. or just looking through them in the eyes. Absolutely. I have to say that I had an experience just last weekend and my girlfriend um, said that I was very critical. Mm -hmm. I had said a snide remark about somebody, I think. And um, she said, you're so critical. Right. And I was like, wow. I let that sit in my head for a minute. And I was like, okay, critical, judgmental. I know that that's a, a character defect of mine, to mm -hmm. be judgmental. And I thought that I was working on that. <laughs> and I actually thought I was being funny, but she did not take it that way. Right. right. And so I'm replacing the word love with just kindness. Yeah. yeah. I just keep telling myself, can you just be kind? And yes. that's a great word because Absolutely. sometimes love can be a lot. A lot. Totally. And then when you practice kindness, you get exchanges of love. Exactly. That's the point, right? That's I love it. that's such a beautiful yeah. point. And so the mindset I want to give people with love is that love is a daily practice, a right. daily habit. Well, just let me thank you. Oh. Exactly. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And all the spiritual teaching and the friendship that you have developed with them, yeah. they are passing that on. Oh. Thank you, Gary. You've just been such a great friend to us. So, you know, yeah. thank I you for you everything. I really love you all. I know you do. We You're love special you. Humans, special you. family, special people. So. We love you Grateful. so much. Yeah. Jay's new book, Eight Rules of Love, is available for pre-order now. Yay. Do yourself a favor, yeah. get this book. It might Thank just you, change Jay. your life. It might just it change, change ours. Yeah. yeah. Willow has taught me so much. Yes. And of course it has, but like watching Willow on her journey yeah. and, and navigating is just inspiring to me. I'm trying, the, I'm yeah, chugging along. You know that, Willow. You, you have my heart, Willow. You, just such an inspiration in, in so many ways. And I mean, I could give that right back to you. We're I know, all mirrors. I know, I know, we're, just, but, we're just mirroring each but other no, at I this point. Say that. Thank oh, you, Jay. To join the Red Table Talk family and become a part of the conversation, follow us at facebook.com slash redtabletalk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Table Talk podcast, produced by Facebook Watch, Westbrook Audio, and iHeartRadio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 